Welcome to the Living Stones podcast. These are a recording of our Sunday morning meetings. We pray that these will be a blessing to you. So please, enjoy listening. If you want to know more, please contact us at office at livingstoneschurch.co.uk. Hello, Living Stones. Good morning. Oh, let me straighten this up. It's not behind the line. What am I going to do? It'll put me off. I'll lose my place. There we go. Well, there isn't. There isn't really, but in my mind there is. Uh, hello and welcome, everybody. Welcome especially to our visitors today. Uh, my name's Rob, and I'm one half of the leadership team here with, uh, with my wife, Kaz, at Living Stones. You're all very welcome today. Um, well done, everybody, for making it through the week. I thought on Monday and Tuesday we might all melt. Uh, and well done to all of our children for making it through a school year and now five weeks off. Amelia, look, she's so worn out. She's having a big yawn. That's how big it's been. And a special well done to all the teachers amongst us as well, who I think it's probably even harder for them to make it through the year. Well done, everybody. We made it. Another step on the journey. Um, So this morning, we're going to uh, go into a time of worship shortly. Then we'll have family time. We've got a birthday from someone who might have thought we forgot it's his birthday. And now he's looking around thinking, oh, no, they're going to make me go up the front. Um, And we'll have some notices. And then we'll have, uh, we've got a guest speaker today. We've got Dennis, who's come in to talk to us today. And we'll hear uh, more from him soon. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. (laughs) But let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that you've brought us together today. And Lord, you're not just the God of Sundays. You're the God of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But Lord, today is a special privilege. We can join in a a worldwide wave of praise of your name. And we thank you for that, Father. We thank you that we live in a society where it might not always be easy, but we are free to come and worship, to declare that you are the Lord of all. Father, I pray you'll be with us this morning as we as we worship, as we talk, as we discuss, as we as we listen to the words that others are going to bring. Lord, would you be at work in our hearts, at work in our minds? Would there be new new words, new revelations for us this morning? In Jesus' name, Amen. So we'll come to worship in a second. I just wanted to uh, read Psalm 100 to get us ready. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen. Ellie, over to you please. Good work, Jess. Have a house point. (laughs) I know, but I was on Tuesday and I gave out a house point for somebody who came and did actions for me. (laughs) It's just on my mind. Uh, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. We're going to sing about God's love the next couple of songs. Um, And if you want to pray out after this song, then uh, let's pray out about what God's love has done for you in your lives, thanking him. 
Lord, I can't go anywhere to hide from your love. It's so vast. Thank you. Thank you for your love for me, which is overwhelming. I can't fathom how deep and how wide it is, and I could never love in the same way that you love me. But my response is to love you back. Lord, thank you, and I love you. Thank you, Ellie. Thank you, Emily. And thank you, Olivia. That's quite interesting, that word, reckless. I was, like, reflecting on it as we were singing. And, like, it's quite a, usually quite a negative word, right? Like, reckless behaviour, reckless driving, things like that. But the way that I was thinking about it and the way I was kind of leaning towards is, like, it's, like, without consideration. So, like, when God came and convicted me it wasn't like right Rob you've done this you've done that but I think I'll still love you or okay Rob if you do this if you can get to this point then you can you can come and be part of part of the family it was like no it was it was reckless it was without consideration it was I love you Rob you're a child of God come to me so we move on to family time good news for Thomas Burrow is that he's not the only child here this week there's loads more so no pressure Thomas you'll be pleased and we've got Sue, who is going to come up with our next series about God's character. Okay, so we've been thinking about um, uh, uh, what is God like? And um, we've looked at some of his qualities, like how he's holy, how he's everywhere all at the same time. Impossible for us, of course. And um, how he's both one and three, both at the same time. So um, we've been thinking about some things about God. Now, we are made in God's image. So in many ways, we have some of the qualities that God has in us as human beings, which is absolutely amazing. Different from all the animals, all the creation. No, human beings, we are the ones who've been made in God's image. The Bible tells us this. But there are things about God that are not true about us. And so I'm going to point out some now. Okay, let's think about it. Um, we forget things, but God... If we forget, what does God do? He helps us. Yeah, he does help us. Yes, yes. Someone else. God... We... Yep, well done, Thomas. We forget things, but remember. God remembers everything. Well done. Never forgets anything. Well done, you. Now, I should have brought my list with me here. Um, we get tired. <laughs> but God doesn't get tired. <laughs> well done. God doesn't get tired. Yeah. We eat food. Do you think God do you think God eats food or not? I don't know, no, no, I don't know. Um He did Jesus did. Jesus ate food. That's right. Yes, yes. Now we know we know a few things. God Knows everything. <laughs> God knows everything. Okay. We are limited. 
God is, I'm looking at you, Amelia. Oh, no, she's too shy. <laughs> Thomas, what do you think? We are limited. God is Go off somewhere else. Yeah, the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Unlimited. Very good. Very good. Good, good, good. We are quite small. God is. Thomas has got his hand. Big. Very big. Well done. Well done. Now, another one here. We are flawed. God is... Shall we all call it out together? Flawed? Oh, no, it's nothing to do with the floor. <laughs> flawed with a W. Flawed. We are not perfect. But God is... Perfect. Well done. God is good. God is perfect. God is uh, just not flawed. He is absolutely uniquely himself. And that is holy, perfect, and all the rest of it. So thank you. Now, a big one. We have a beginning and an end. Does anyone know the word for someone or something that doesn't have a beginning or an end. God is... Olivia, I'm looking at you. Don't know. Anyone else know? Eternal? Eternal. Well done. Yes, well done. Amelia knew that one. Yes, yes. God is eternal. Everlasting. Everything has a beginning. Everything. Is there anything... It doesn't, didn't start somewhere at some time in some place. No. But how can God not have a beginning? How can any, you know, it's just unthinkable and unimaginable, isn't it? God is everlasting, eternal. And of course that means he has no ending either. We had a beginning. Do you know when we began in our mum's tum? We were like the size of a grain of rice. Can you imagine it? And now here we are now. Thomas. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> Never mind. We, um, yes, yeah, so we're thinking today about how God is everlasting. God is eternal. And I, I was thinking about that Bible verse that is very well known to most Christian people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. So we're not eternal now, God is, but one day, guys, we're going to be eternal like God. Isn't that amazing? So that's our family time today, how amazing God is and how he wants us to be with him. So his plan is to create us and then love us, bring him to himself and then take us to be with him and be eternal forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Finished. Thank you for listening. Amen. Thank you, Sue.
yeah, those opposites are not as easy as they initially seem sometimes, are they? <laughs> right, so let me get back to my notes. Ah, oh, now, we had a birthday earlier in July. It was on the 5th of July, uh, but the person wasn't here, so I would very much like them to come up now. Tay, could you come to the front, please? You can bring your football if you like. <laughs> Look at this, I haven't seen you for a few weeks. You've really grown. You've got a lot taller. And you've got a really cool earring as well. Now, how old were you on your birthday? Ten. Ten, double figures. That's a big, that's a big moment. Right, excellent. Well, what we'd like to do is we'd like to sing happy birthday for you, first of all. And then I'll pray for you. And then you can get your hands on this card and this gift. Is that all right with you? Okay. Ellie, please can you give us a note? Right, I'll pray for you, yep. Heavenly Father, thank you for Tay. Thank you, Lord, that you have brought him among us. Thank you, Lord, that he's such a, a great and fun, energetic, sporty, but also really engaged part of our church. Lord, would you continue to work in his life? Would you continue to prompt him? Lord, would you, would you open up new insights for him so that he can see really, really clearly your work in his life? Father, would you bless him in his 11th year as he goes up to year six of primary school and prepares himself to go into secondary school. Father, would you let him know that we love him very much and we're so glad he's with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I can see that I didn't get the collection basket out, so that's a good week for everybody. Justin's running now. That's good. Um, right, so what we'll do is I'll pray for the children to go out to their groups, uh, and then maybe if we have a short break to get uh, teas and coffees, and then we'll come back uh, after that with notices, and then we'll move into our, our time of our talk. Heavenly Father, thank you for our children. Thank you for the gift of life that you've put into all of our lives and Lord now that we've reached the summer and they've got um, no school but also you know there's so much for them to still be learning as they um, as they go along father would you um, would you bless them as they go out into their classes would you give them uh, fresh insight fresh ideas father pray for uh, Justin as he takes them out that they'll be really inspired by your word this morning in Jesus name Amen. Right, so does any of the children want to hold our collection tin and the giraffe? Jessie's got a hand up. Yeah, forced up by Olivia. Oh, sorry, May. That was you. Oh, was she? Okay. Giraffe or tin? Or both? You hold both for now and then that one. There we go. Right. Ah, oh, thank you, Thomas and Amelia. So the collection goes to uh, children that we um, support in... Uganda, I believe, to um, help them to uh, stay in school and prepare them for uh, life ahead. And actually, Kaz, can I give you the collection basket? Um, regulars, please uh, please give as you can and as you feel led. Visitors, please uh, absolutely do not feel uh, compelled to give uh, in the collection. 
Right, I think you can go to your classes now, children. So if we take um, maybe a five-minute break uh, to get to refill on teas and coffees, and then we'll come back uh, just after ten past. Okay, I hope everyone's had a chance to refuel on the notoriously strong Living Stones coffee. I certainly hope so. That was quite. That's we got. We got to the. Uh, we got to the break quite quickly this time. So I hope people aren't going to be overloaded on uh, on caffeine. Um, so before we move to our talk, we've got quite a few um, quite a few notices actually. Chloe, would it be possible to have the schools out slide up first of all? This was a. Is it up there? Oh, there it is. School's out activities. This was a mistake by me. I meant to ask Justin to uh, to come up and talk us through School's Out, but I completely forgot, so now the responsibility will fall on me. I won't be able to do it as well as Justin, but I'll do my best. Um, so the School's Out activities mornings are really popular uh, craft mornings that we have in this room. Uh, it tracks, I don't know, looks to me the times I've been in about 300 or so people, but it's probably nearer 50. Um, <laughs> So Justin runs them every uh, every holiday. They're super successful, and we've had a lot of engagement with the uh, community, um, particularly uh, young families, which is obviously one of the core um, parts of our heart at, uh, at Living Stones and, and at Community Wise, indeed. So uh, the activity mornings are on the 26th of July, then the 2nd, 18th, and 23rd of August. It's 10 a.m. to 12 midday. But what Justin, I know, is really looking for is volunteers to come and help, uh, help with the setup, help with um, coming alongside people during these sessions, uh, help with the teas and coffees, and also help with uh, packing down as well. Um, so, you know, it doesn't, doesn't need to be one person for all of the jobs, but if people are able to come and um, share the load, I'm sure that Justin will be um, hugely appreciative. So that's the School's Out activity mornings. Um, other notices, so we've got the... Uh, in your newsletter, or the newsletter, the Monday testimony. So this week, uh, a chap called Bob Arnold will be speaking on Zoom about a time in his life in his early 20s when he didn't really know where he was going and he thought uh, actually he might be reaching. <laughs> okay, Shannon. All right. That's okay. No worries. Um, so yeah, so Bob Arnold, he's reaching a point in his life where he was basically had reached a place of despair and was wondering where um, where there was a future for him. And then he encountered Jesus and his heart was transformed by God. So uh, if you'd be interested in hearing Bob's story, then please do join at 8 p.m. on Monday uh, on Zoom. And the meeting ID and passcode are in the uh, newsletter. So next Wednesday, the 27th, is uh, Les Ayres' funeral. Um, it will take place in the larger chapel at Eastbourne Crematorium at 2 o'clock. Uh, the family's arranged for the service to be streamed as well for people who are um, unable to make it there in person. So please do have a look at the newsletter if that's, well, A, if you're going to attend, so you know what time, and B, if you're um, planning to join via, uh, via video link. Um, and if you need any kind of help with that, then I, if you speak to Justin or come speak to Kaz or myself, then we'll be able to help you uh, on that front. Um, a few other bits. The church camp is fast approaching. Shannon's very excited. 
Uh, <laughs> we've had lots and lots of interest, but not that many sign-ups. So if people are able to go back to Kaz with, uh, with forms, please do let us know. If you need a form, uh, speak to me or Kaz, and we'll make sure that you get one. And then we can... The thing that we're... And they're over at the back as well, on the back table. Um, the bit that we're most concerned about is just making sure that we allocate rooms to people. Um, it's great that people are coming. We're really, really excited, and it's going to be a really great uh, weekend. But equally, we need to make sure that we get the room allocations right. So please do let us know. And they are. Dave, is, yep, Dave is, can come along on the, uh, the Saturday and the Sunday. Uh, the Saturday will be particularly exciting because we'll have two baptisms, which will be really good. Uh, well, you'll find out when you're there, won't you? <laughs> and then... And on the Sunday, we'll have, a, we'll have a barbecue by our exquisite barbecue chef. Is it on the Sunday or the Saturday? Oh, it's a Saturday. All right. Well, we can do both if you want, but maybe, maybe we'll stick to Saturday. Um, next Saturday is the farmer's market here at Community Wise. So do uh, come down, pick up all, your, uh, all the produce that you'll need for the, uh, for the week ahead. Sue, does that start at 10 or 10.30? 10 o'clock. So 10 o'clock. And uh, they usually set up on the forecourt and then inside, don't they? Is that right? Excellent. Okay. Um, people who read the newsletter or indeed are on uh, some WhatsApp groups will, will know that earlier in the week uh, we had the amazing news that Sean Greenan had been matched with a kidney ready for a transplant, something that he's been waiting for and we've all been praying for for what feels like a number of years. I probably is a number of years. Um, Martin, if I come to you, would you be able to... I'll come to you, it's okay. Would you be able to um, provide an update on that? Yeah, so he, he, did, he had the kidney operation at five o'clock last Monday morning, and um, yeah, all seems to be going okay. I mean, the, the, the two things really are that the body receives and accepts the kidney, and that um, there's no reaction to it, and that it starts working. Um, and I think that's the, the issue at the moment, is, is to keep praying that his kidney will really start to work, the new one. So uh, he's doing okay. It, he will certainly be in for this weekend, uh, probably, if all goes well, coming out sometime next week. Yeah, praise the Lord for that incredible provision, really. I mean, he, he was... He was very close to a kidney before, wasn't he? And then he got COVID and wasn't able to, able to have it. And now, you know, in what only feels like a few months later, the Lord's provided for him again, which is... It is working. Fully working. Okay. I'm not going to wrap that up in a sentence, but you can all work out your prayers from there. Um, final notice before we move to our, uh, to our talk. So... This is the second to last Sunday before we move into our um, our Living Church summer program, which is basically three Sundays. So the three Sundays in August before church camp, which I think would be the 7th, the 14th and the 21st. They are, thank you very much. So, that's, so that will be, um, those Sundays will be run by our life groups rather than the kind of structured meeting that we have or more structured meeting that we have uh, most Sundays. So uh, life group leaders, I hope, are, um, are aware and are preparing some really exciting stuff. Um, do keep an eye on the newsletter because we have opened it out to we could uh, meet here, which would be great. Or One second, I'll come to you actually. Or we could meet uh, in Mockham Gardens or Hamden Park or um, 
within reason pretty much anywhere in Eastbourne. So do keep an eye on the newsletter. Uh, do listen out for where we'll be meeting on the following Sunday. So just to summarise, next Sunday we'll be here as normal. And then the three Sundays after that will be um, the life group. A, a life group will be organising each meeting and we'll kind of have a slightly different programme. And then the last Sunday of the month, which is in the bank holiday weekend, we'll of course be in Dalesdown for church camp. Go on, Shannon. Yes. Okay. Let's catch up afterwards. I'll do that. No problem. Okay, that's all the notice. Martin, would you mind coming forward to introduce our next piece? Oh, sorry. We've got... Yes. So we've been talking last couple of weeks about 321, which is an introduction to Christianity course that Rich and I are going to be leading in the autumn. And it's just to say we have dates. Tuesday, the 20th of September, will be the first one running for five weeks downstairs here at Community Wise. And promotional material is coming soon. It's on Rich's screen, and we'll hope to be able to give leaflets and things like that in the next few weeks. Brilliant. Thank you. And uh, as always, please do continue to, to pray for the course but also pray for people that you may uh, be in a position to invite to that course and be very brave in doing so. Martin. Thank you. I'd like to invite Dennis and Lucy to come up to the front with me. <laughs> Welcome. Now, um, a mutual friend sent me an email and said, I think you need to get in touch with someone called Dennis, who's just come to live in Eastbourne. So I did. And not only did we meet Dennis, we also met Lucy. His wife. How long have you been married now? Um, we'll be two years in December. Two years in December. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, so Sue and I have had the joy of, of meeting up with them for coffee a couple of times. And uh, just going to do a little bit of... Uh, introductions to you uh, just to give a background and then Dennis is going to come and bring God's word to us so who do I go to first so you are not actually from the same country are you so you no we're from two different countries so I'm from Kenya Dennis is originally from Uganda but he's born in Kenya so it can be confusing sometimes like when we went home and immigration is asking me okay your husband is Ugandan, he's now he's in UK, and he's born in Kenya, so it's kind of confusing sometimes, yeah. Okay, uh, so when you're at home, what language do you speak? Uh, we speak Swahili. And that's common to both. Yeah, brilliant. Now, Dennis, uh, we did know you before, but uh, me personally, only briefly, I think Sue may have known you a little bit better, I don't know. But you used to, be wor you used to work at Glindley Manor. I did. Yeah, do you want to tell us a little bit about... So yeah, anybody know Glindley Manor here? A few people know it. Yeah, I used to work there, and so some of you will probably recognize me. I used to lead worship there, and um, amongst other things, I was looking after their IT and um, doing other things, prayer and, and various other bits and pieces. So, yeah, that was, um, I was there from 2017. Um, I kind of had a second stint. I was there from, 20, from 1998 initially. Um, all the way to 2004, and then moved out to Bristol and started an IT company. And then um, around about 2017, felt God calling me to come back this way. And um, Glindley were desperately in, in need of an IT help, IT person. 
So I offered my services and came and um, joined the team in 2017 and have been with them up until end of last year um, when I felt God calling us to start a church, really to, to move out and step out in faith and start a church. So, just say a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, so when we were um, out in Kenya, um, we were in lockdown um, from 2020, March 2020, thereabouts. Um, I don't know if you remember the circumstances. There was a lot of hooing and ahhing as to what to ha what to do in this country um, around about March. But Lucy had insight. She had cunning insight. And so she got onto the internet and got all this PPE. And one day, <laughs> I turned up to the house, and there was all this PPE in the house. And I was thinking, what's this all about? Anyway, Lucy caught a flight out at the beginning of March, and um, I caught a flight out about three weeks later. Our intention was to go out to Kenya and get married and then come back, and I was going to be resuming my employment with LL Ministries here at Glenley Manor. Anyhow, God had his plans. Um, as we got out there, obviously, COVID wreaked havoc all over the world. Every place, everywhere went into lockdown, and we were out there. Um, I was in Kenya. I got stuck in Kenya because literally as I landed into the airport in Nairobi, the, the Nairobi, Kenyans were like, we're not accepting any people from outside anymore. So they closed their gates. So I flew on to my family in Uganda and stayed with them for six months while Lucy, who'd arrived three weeks prior to me, was in Kenya. And um, so we were separate for, three, for six months. And during that time, we were, uh, we were just in God's hands. We were thinking, we've come to prepare, we've come to get a wedding sorted and everything. But we had one prayer, one thing that was on our heart. Lord, give us a church. To be honest, it was a bit selfish. We were thinking, give us a church so we could just get married and come back here and resume our lives. But God had other plans. Anyway, we found this lovely church um, that I'll talk a little bit about. And they, um, they married us happily, um, but it really felt very much that part of the journey that God had for both of us was to be more involved with them. And so while we were out there during lockdown, we got to do a various activities, got to do various things, quite a few overnight prayer meetings. Anybody been to an overnight prayer meeting? Oh, no, I like my sleep too much. <laughs> well, there was quite a few of those that we had almost every Friday, weren't they, at one stage, um, that we would be up at church for 9 o'clock and we'd be praying till 4 in the morning. And um, yeah, while we were out there, um, the Lord really put it on our hearts that we were to be involved with this church. And so they blessed us, they um, welcomed us with open arms, and um, the leadership invited me to join the leadership there, and I expressed to them something of a calling that God had put in my heart ever since probably 1997 um, to plant churches. And I could see that was something they were doing a lot of. They're, they're quite passionate about planting churches. And they said, well, we'd be more than happy to pray for you and bless you that as you return to the UK, that you can plant a church. And we had no idea this was on the horizon. So that's kind of how that all kicked off. Uh, God has led you to Eastbourne. <laughs> and so how are you, just quickly, how are you uh, seeking the Lord to, to, to plant a church here in Eastbourne? Um, a lot of it is through prayer. Initially, it was literally just myself and my wife. So now we've increased somewhat in number, as you can see. And um, yeah, mostly just praying. And every Sunday, we would just do some videos um, that we would put out because we came across in our circle of friends quite a few people who suddenly became, became believers 
um, quite a few people who were interested in our journey. And um, so we put out some videos on a weekly basis. Um, and as we were doing that, we got more and more interest. And then something got put on my heart, which I will show a little bit more of, um, was to go out to the seafront and just do some evangelism. Because I've been a worship leader for donkey's years for many a year. And um, one day last year when I was sort of working at Glindley Manor, I just had this picture of me playing my guitar out of the seafront next to the pier. So um, you'll get to see a little bit of that. And um, so that's what we do. We just go out to the seafront, worship God together. I bring a short message and the Lord works. We let God do his thing. We talk to people as we do that. Brilliant. Um, I know you're supporting yourself by, by working. You're still in IT, in working in Upfield, and you're doing care work. That's right. So, yeah, that's great. Later, we will pray over you both. And just bless you in Jesus' name. But just, I'll, I'll pray for you now that the Lord will just bring you his word Amen. to you. Lord, I just thank you for Lucy and for Dennis. And we pray your blessing on them. And I ask now that through Dennis, you will speak to our hearts through your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you very much for the welcome. Bless you. So I really love your idea of having the coffee before the talk. <laughs> That means you're all going to be awake. You're, you're, there is no option. There is no excuse. If anybody falls asleep, I'll throw something at them. Or you, you've had your fill of caffeine. Um, so what I'd like to do is start off by just showing a little video. Chloe is going to um, show us a little video of what we do at the seafront. Maybe one or two may have bumped into us or may have come across us. So this is us at the seafront. You want to boom up the sound a bit? My name is Pastor Dennis from Global Power Faith Ministries. Out in Kenya, some Ugandan music playing. This beautiful, glorious, sunshine-filled morning. I want to invite you to join us in celebrating the goodness of God. Getting accustomed to the heat. Become representing the church global power faith. Yeah, getting into the dance. That's it. We come representing the church global power of faith ministries based out in Kenya. My wife is from Kenya, Lucy, I'm from Uganda, neighboring country. And it's our joy to be able to bring something of the color of Africa, something of the joy of the music there. Thank you, thank you very much, Chloe. I'm sure you can carry on watching that for, for whatever. You're very welcome to go to our channel, Global Power of Faith. That's the church that we belong to. And um, as I said, we're based out in Kenya. If you'd like to stand, our group, I'll just very quickly ask our group just to stand and maybe quickly just say your name. <laughs> Good. That's starting with Lucy. <laughs> you've already... <laughs> and then next to Lucy, you've got Jordan. <laughs> and that's Heather. Thank you very much. So... Um, 
Yeah, we've, <laughs> it is a blessing. And um, we're just on this walk of faith, literally. Um, it's literally just obedience. The Lord said, this is what I want you to do. Just go out there and be yourself. And so I, I got thinking, what am I? <laughs> Who am I? Number one, I'm African. I mean, it's, it's difficult not to notice that. <laughs> and um, and um, I love the Lord. I love Jesus because of what he's done for me. And um, I love leading people in worship. I've been doing that for many a year. And so um, that literally is our plan, if you like, if there is anything of a plan, um, that we're just out there at the seafront bringing who we are, the message of Christ, through who we are. And each one of us is unique. Anybody found anybody that is exactly a copy of who they are? Anybody managed to find... Maybe you're really grateful that there's nobody else in the world like you. <laughs> well, yeah, each one of us is unique. And what God loves is for that uniqueness to come through. One of the things that used to really, really get me a bit down, really, was seeing churches kind of wanting to copy the same style of worship. Um, it was something that really, really got my heart sad because sort of churches would kind of think, well, this is how we do worship. We have the rock band on stage, and we have the electric guitar, and we have, and it just got me really, really sad. And over a period of time, God began to speak to me about that, that we are all unique. And we're all like butterflies, really. Um, each butterfly is amazingly unique. Somebody here, I understand, bought a dress with butterflies. And um, where I work at lunchtime is like a sort of meadow not far away from where I work in Uckfield. So at lunchtime, I like to go walking. And a few weeks ago, the place was just teeming with butterflies. Absolutely, there was just butterflies everywhere. And they were really friendly. They would actually come to you <laughs> and sort of land on your path as you're about to walk, almost as if they're posing for you. They're kind of going, check me out. <laughs> and um, each one of them is unique. And isn't it amazing? You know, this morning we were singing about God's love, that he put so much effort and so much care and so much attention into a tiny little butterfly that's going to be here, and three weeks later, it's gone. How much more would he value you? How much more does he see you as precious? How much more does he care for you? I love the statement butterflies put out because they just, they're out there and they're like, check me out, check me out. I understood, actually, I was reading something yesterday on the BBC. They were saying emperor butterflies are becoming extinct. I was like, no, <laughs> no. Maybe I'll start breeding emperor butterflies just to, to boost up their numbers. But each one of us, I mean, butterflies do give out a statement, don't they? Everything, I think, in creation is unique, and it's meant to give out a statement kind of representing who God is. And above all, we as human beings, we, had, we have been created in God's image. And so there's something unique that we bring. And so one of my joys is just to bring something of the worship, the kind of worship that we do out in Africa, because it's unique, it's different, um, and it stirs an interest. It, it, it Playing that music, especially from time to time among the children, the children are, are drawn to the, the beats, basically, and they want to dance, and sometimes mommy and daddy would go, oh, we're not quite sure about that, Lord, <laughs> go away from them. And we just kind of bring who we are, the, the, the uniqueness of who we are, how we do worship, how we, b how we bring worship. We, after 
playing a bit of African music, I get on my guitar and we sing some English worship songs as well. And um, Heather joins me with that and we just worship God together um, while we're out there. Sometimes we get people joining us. Last Sunday we had a couple on holiday, two couples that were around on holiday. They joined us and um, we're just out there um, bringing praise to God and knowing that he's smiling over us. Um, as we're doing that. And then we engage people in conversation. People sometimes just sit um, where um, we, we are. They just come and they sit down for a moment or two. And then we just go to them, um, introduce ourselves, and just have a chat to um, one of them. I had the opportunity to pray with somebody um, a couple of weeks ago, and, and he committed his life. He put his life in Jesus' hands uh, for the first time. He's going through quite a bit of struggle. And um, it was a privilege just to be with him in that one moment in time when he could just say, Jesus, I want to put my life in your hands. I don't understand everything that's going on, um, but I want to just offer myself to you that you can look after me. So it was a, a blessing to be there to do that. So your message for th this morning, um, how long do I have? I forgot to ask that. I should ask that, shouldn't I? At the beginning, you've had your decaf, so you'll be fine. Your, 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 your fill of coffee. Um, if you'd like to turn to your Bibles, and it's from the book of Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah. After Isaiah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Anybody know where Isaiah is? <laughs> there is a song. When I lived out in Bristol, we used to be involved in the children's work out there. And um, there's a, a song that sang out all the books of the Bible. And um, it was really, really helpful. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, Deuteronomy. And we could sort of go on. And um, yeah, I find it very helpful from time to time. So the first chapter of Jeremiah, that's where we are at. Jeremiah chapter 1. <laughs> and I'm going to start reading from verse 4. To verse 9. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words 
in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over kingdoms to pluck up, some translations say to root out, to break down, to destroy, and to overthrow, and to build, and to plant. That's the word of the Lord for us today. Something like in 1997, um, l let me go even a bit further than that, I came to this country um, to study at university. I came to study civil engineering at, uni at the University of Leeds. And while I was out there, I had a very clear call of God on my life. And I heard him say to me, Dennis, you have a plan for your life. Your family has a plan for your life. And I have a plan for your life. And I want you to choose. Now, I, I came from a family of engineers. Um, they're now, God's blessing them richly in various business ventures that they're involved with. Um, but back then, in my thinking, I was thinking I was going to study civil engineering with in mind that I'd go back to Africa and be a civil engineer. So I finished my degree at the University of Leeds, and I went back and sat down at the meal table one day with my parents, and I expressed this to my family. You can imagine how difficult that was for them because they'd invested a lot of their time and a lot of their effort to raising the fees that were necessary, to raising all the finances that were necessary to put me through university. And I had to say to them, look, I really feel God is calling me on a different path. And the Lord said to me, do not worry, much the same way as he said to Jeremiah, I will help you every step of the way. Anyway, I came back to the university because I had signed up to do a master's degree by then. So I came back and finished my master's degree. And it was while I was doing that, back in 1997, that I came across LL Ministries and came on one of their courses. At the end of that time, the team at LL Ministries felt that it was okay to invite me to be part of their team, um, to be initially on what they call the Young People Service Team. Basically, we would go around doing house chores around the house and looking after guests and making sure the grounds are looking nice. And so they felt to invite me at the end of my master's degree to be part of that team. So I went back to Kenya with in mind to say to my family that I was coming back to the UK for a year as a sort of gap year while I decide what to do with my life. And while I was out there in Kenya, I went back around about November time of 1997. For the entire time I was out there from November till January when I flew back here to start employment with LL Ministries, I couldn't get past this scripture from Jeremiah 1. Every time I opened my Bible, at the time I intended to work through the book of Jeremiah, and every time I opened my Bible, I got stuck at Jeremiah 1. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. You're like, okay, I did Jeremiah 1 last time. This time, what shall I do? Let me go into Jeremiah 2. And there'd be this urging, this prompting, saying, no, 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 no. You need to go back to Jeremiah 1. You need to go back to Jeremiah 1. For two months, that carried on. At the end of it, I was like, 
Lord, what are you saying about this for me? Anyhow, I came to the UK, worked with the little ministries up until 2004, moved out to Bristol, came back again, and um, as I was explaining, joined LL Ministries again in 2017 as they were in hunt for an IT person. And I joined the team in 2017, met Lucy, my wife, on one of the courses out there um, in 2018. And um, we were courting around about 2019. And then um, we decided to get married towards the end of 2019. And in 2020, we had our wedding. Was it 2020? Yes. <laughs> Anyhow, while we were out there, while we were in Kenya, I was in Kenya, actually. Lucy was out in, no, the other way around, wasn't it? <laughs> I was in Uganda, and Lucy was out in Kenya. Because I flew in, literally as I flew in, the Kenyans were shutting their borders in March, saying, we don't want any strange people coming in, thank you. <laughs> and so I had to fly on to the Ugandan side to be with my family. And while we were out there, separate from each other, for six months, one prayer that was so much on my heart, as I explained, was, Lord, we need a church so that we could get married. We need a church so that we could get married. Round about August time, there was a series of events that happened in Lucy's family's uh, life, uh, in the, within Lucy's family, that led her to pray desperately to God. Um, some really dark situations happened with Lucy's family, saying, Lord, we need a pastor. We need a church. We need somebody that understands deliverance, somebody that understands the spiritual dynamics behind darkness and light between um, heaven and hell and all of that. But she was praying, Lord, we need somebody who understands deliverance because we have some people in our family who really could do with some help. Anyway, we kept praying, kept praying, and... Um, Lucy, um, around about middle of August, um, one of the leadership of our church happened to be in the neighborhood um, not far away from where Lucy's parents lived, where she was staying. And he was there kind of cutting some trees. It's one of the things that they do out there is grow these trees for timber, and they chop them down after three or so years. And... Um, one of the senior pastors in the church, one of the, the, the leadership in the church, was in the neighborhood um, cutting trees. So Lucy was prompted, say, there's, there's a pastor here who you, uh, who, who you need to meet. Actually, then she didn't know he was a pastor. She was just told, there's a gentleman here who would be really good for you to meet. And as they talked, he introduced himself. Um, he said, I'm Pastor Isaac. And he said, we do have services. You'd be very welcome to come. Anyway, Lucy decided to go along, and amazingly for her, on the Sunday as she walked into church, they were preaching on deliverance. And um, it was an amazing thing. Now, I don't know about your understanding of deliverance. It was one of the things Jesus taught his disciples to do. He said to heal and to deliver those who were oppressed. And that's one of the, the things that Jesus came to do here on earth, and he sent us to do as well. Anyhow, Lucy... Um, felt this was definitely somewhere that she would love to come and fellowship. So she got involved with the church. Um, there was a bit of a, a spell of time when she went out to the village and then came back and then she started getting involved with the church. And I came as soon as the Ugandans opened their borders. We were checking every day on the internet, when are the Ugandans opening their borders? And then as soon as they opened their borders, I think it was towards the end of September, I flew out, I think on the 1st of October, out to Kenya 
And Lucy said to me, there's this church, there's this church, come and check us out, come and check us out. And I walked into that church um, not long after um, I'd traveled up to Eldoret and walked in on a Tuesday morning prayer meeting. They have prayer meetings on Tuesdays and Fridays. And then some Fridays while we were out there, they had Keshers, which are the all-night prayer meetings. So I walked into the church and emblazoned in front of the church was Jeremiah 1, 4 to 10. You could imagine all of this just kind of hit me like a lead balloon. I was like, oh gosh, this all brings back memories. And so I was kind of glued looking at this thing at the front of the church, Jeremiah 1, 4 to 10. And it took me back all those 20 years ago to what the Lord had been speaking to me about. And one of the things he said was, this is part of your journey. Don't be afraid. This is part of the path that I have for you. And the other thing he said to me is, we need to get into this Jeremiah 1, 4, 10, Dennis. We need to have a chat about it a bit more. Oops. Off. No, we're still on. And over the course of time, I expressed this to the church, um, that the thing that really has drawn me to this fellowship is this scripture. And so the minister as well, he had the church, the, 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 the scripture emblazoned there. His name is Apostle Jeremiah, by the way. He changed his name um, to, to, because he felt God was putting this scripture very much on his heart and giving him something of that calling of being a prophet, effectively. And um, he, um, he went away and said, no, we need to look into this scripture. What exactly is it saying? And so for a period of about three weeks, um, we decided to look very carefully, sermon after sermon, into Jeremiah chapter 1, from verse 4 to 10. And so the first thing I'm going to bring out here is that God says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I don't know what that makes you think. Before you were conceived, God had a really good grasp of who you are. He could see you walking around here on earth. He could see the things that you would have an interest in the things that you would take delight in. You know, I was saying to um, our, our fellowship this last, I think it was Thursday, when we met, when you were born, God didn't suddenly go, oh, we have a life. Oh, gosh, what, what are we going to do with this? He planned you. You're no accident. God had you very much in his thoughts and in his scheming, in his plotting long before the earth was created. That's what the Bible tells us. And so here he says, before I formed you in the womb, that's before anything went wrong, before maybe you might have had that fallout with mom or dad, before maybe you had that wild spell when you were a teenager, before any of that happened, God says, I knew you. I knew you. And then he goes on to say, before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you aside. I said, mine, mine. That's what it means, to consecrate, to put aside. And I set you aside, and I appointed you as a prophet. 
to the nations. This is the scripture that we as a church, we feel God's laid on our hearts, that there's something of a prophetic voice that he wants us to bring. And we are still discovering what that is. We are still growing and learning, trying to search out what that is. But each one of us, there is something that God brought you here on earth to be. I was careful not to say to do. <laughs> you might have noticed. Because sometimes we as human beings, in particular we as Brits, <laughs> we like to achieve. We like to accomplish. We like at the end of time to see, yes, at the end of the day, I have accomplished this, 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 this. It is very much in the British psyche that we are achievers. That's why I think the Industrial Revolution, for example, happened. That's why you can look, look back. There's a while, actually, I was out in Kenya and I was thinking, Lord, how is it that a tiny nation like the United Kingdom ended up ruling the whole world? <laughs> there must be some chutzpah about these people. <laughs> there must be some, some sort of thing in them that basically would be like, we want to take over the whole world. But there is something in your psyche, by the way, that's to do with achieving. That's to do with kind of ticking boxes. That's to do with, I want to have succeeded in doing X, Y, and Z. And so we can end up being doers. We end up being a bit like Martha. You remember the story of Mary and Martha? We end up wanting to do stuff, do stuff, and we don't feel accomplished until we've done stuff. Whereas God would have us be and express who we are. And so long before you were created, there was somebody that you were supposed to be. It's not to say that the doing is unimportant, but God's plan and purpose is that you would do out of what you are out of your being, out of the uniqueness of who you are. And so you and I were created to be something. There was something on God's thoughts. I don't know if you've ever asked God, God, what were you thinking when you made me? What exactly were you thinking? So it's a very good question to ask. Because he had thoughts. He had plans. Here we see very clearly, he's telling Jeremiah, before you were born, I knew you. I like to think every time I tinkle on the piano, because I like playing the piano, I like playing the guitar. God could see all of that before the creation of the world. He could see all these things that I'll be involved with, computing, when I'm kind of wrestling away with customers with various problems and things. And I think, a thought comes to my mind, God, you saw all this before this world was created. Before this customer I'm dealing with that has got this problem was created, you could see all of this gives you a different perspective on your life, doesn't it? And I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. And then Jeremiah responds and he says, Alas, Lord, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. And the Lord said to him, Do not say I am a youth because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. Let me say to you that God knows you more than you know yourself. God knows who you are as your creator. He's the manufacturer, if you like. You can think of it in that term. He put you together and he knows you and he understands you more than you know yourself. To put it a little bit more clearly, when we are born... From the moment we are born, in fact, from the moment we are conceived, actually, we are looking for that understanding of who we are. There is something within us that's constantly searching out, who am I? Who am I? 
And as a young child, as a young infant, we get a lot of the sense of definition of who we are from our parents. So I can remember, for example, as a young boy, trying to copy my dad. <laughs> Anybody remember doing that? My dad loves driving. He loves driving like crazy. I mean, if you take the car away from him, I don't know what you would do. He absolutely loves driving, and he's quite aged now, and we have to sort of, we've got a driver that helps him from time to time. But he still loves getting on the wheel. And you know, when I was young, I used to get anything circular that I could lay my hands on, and I would sit on a chair, and I'd pretend I am my dad driving away. And you know, I'd do that for hours on end, <laughs> because I wanted to be like my dad. Some of you mums might... Um, it might resonate with you. You might reflect maybe when you're younger that you saw something in your mum or something of that, um, something of their character that you thought, hey, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. There is this searching that's going on and we're constantly saying, who am I? What am I? Who, who exactly is this Dennis that you've created? And do you know the thing is, there are all these voices out there, all these things out there that are constantly wanting to give you info about who you are. There is a lot in this world that will happily define you if you allow it. It will say, Dennis, this is who you really are. Maybe you're that gangster, you're that tough guy. You're that really big kind of tough bloke. Or maybe it might be friends at school that say this is who you are. This is the kind of clothes that you like to wear. This is what it is like to be you. This is what it's like to be in. There are things constantly defining us, wanting to say this is who you are. And then one day, God turns up and says, hey, Jeremiah, guess what? This is who you are. Before I formed you in the womb, you're my prophet. I knew you and I set you aside. And Jeremiah's going, Actually, God, I kind of know myself. <laughs> I know myself here. And I am the kind of person that will go speaking to, to lots of people about you. I know myself. I have a pretty good grasp of myself. This is who I am. I'm this timid guy. I'm this kind of coward that will not be out there speaking to people about you. And do you know it didn't happen just with Jeremiah. It happened with Gideon. It happened with Isaiah. It happened constantly with the number of prophets in the Old Testament. Even in the New Testament, Jesus, from the moment he called his disciples, he said, I will make you fishers of men. Immediately telling them, this is who you are. At that time, they must have thought, what is he on about? <laughs> What's he saying? And so there is this process that needs to happen in each one of us. I was thinking about this a lot during lockdown, where we need to be introduced to the real me. You and I need to say, hello, Dennis, to the real you. You need to maybe say, maybe, Lord, I have been listening to all these voices that are saying, this is who I am. Maybe I need to come to you who really made me, who really manufactured me, as it were, and say, Lord, who am I? We need to maybe say, Lord, I'm sorry where I've been listening to those voices. They have defined me. They've made me something that maybe is not quite you. Do you know, when God speaks, you can know when you've been 
listening to something else contrary because you end up having that argument. You know, God called Moses and Moses immediately started saying to God, well, I don't really, I have a stammer. I don't, I'm not, I'm not the best when it comes to speaking to people. Are you sure you've got the right person, God? And Moses had to be introduced to who he really was, God's messenger. It's almost like you're kind of walking along through life and you, you realize there's this person you've been ignoring all along. <laughs> and you've been ignoring and you've been being somebody else, trying to follow what your friends say you should be or trying to follow what the world says you should be. And yet there's this guy kind of tugging along going, me, me. <laughs> the unique you that God created you to be. And so God turns up and says, hey, Dennis, I have appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. I have ordained you. And immediately we're like, we start having this argument with God. You got the wrong person. You got the wrong person. Maybe at the end of this, we'll have a chance to maybe just be quiet and say hello to the real me. <laughs> say, Lord, would you show me who I really am? Show me if I have been neglecting, if I have been ignoring who I really am so that I can embrace who I really am. Say hello to Dennis. Hello, Dennis. And let who I really am shine out like that butterfly that God has created. God said to him, you know, God sticks to his, his definition. Eh, Jeremiah, there's no arguing here. <laughs> I know you. I made you. And so don't say to me that you're a youth. Don't say to me that you're too young. Don't say to me that you cannot speak. Don't say to me that you, you're not this or you're not that. Because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. Don't let timidity steal the real you. Don't let fear steal the real you. You know, in that, in that moment when there is that opportunity to be yourself, it can be sometimes quite daunting. You know, when we are out at the seafront, standing out there, kind of dancing some African music, it can seem a bit daunting, a bit scary. But actually, that's who we've been created to be. Don't let timidity take away from the real you. Because that is the ultimate theft, I think, is when you are robbed of yourself, when you are stolen from being who you are. And that's what Satan would love to do. And the Lord stretched out his hand, touched his mouth, and said to him, Behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, God has called you to be somebody but his plan is not to say to you, Dennis, this is who you are. Come on, go on and do it. Just go on and be who you are. Figure it out. But actually, he is there to equip you. He is there to provide you with the resources, with the wherewithal, with everything that you need. He's already put it, actually, inside you. But sometimes there's that, that moment when he touches. He reached out to Jeremiah and he says, see, I am putting my words in your mouth that will allow you to be who I created you to be. God is saying the same thing with you and I. Don't be daunted 
Don't be freaked out because he's right there by your side. There's nothing that delights him more than you being yourself. And so he will give you everything that you need to be you. Whatever opposition you come across, he will sustain you so that you can be the person that he made you to be. He says to Jeremiah, see, I am touching you. I am putting my words in your mouth. And then he went on to say, verse 10, this is what we spent three sermons while we were out there looking at. See, I have appointed you this day over nations and over kingdoms. Isn't it just like God to take a humble youth like Jeremiah and say to him, see, I am appointing you over nations and over kingdoms. See, God is not so much interested in pomp and circumstance, as it were. He's not so interested in kind of celebrity. In fact, if you look at Jesus' life, often when there was the slightest hint of celebrity, he would run the other way. He absolutely legged it. For example, after he fed the 5,000, you can read the story in John 6. I think it's Matthew that records that he forced his disciples into the boat after feeding the 5,000 because they wanted to make him king. They were like, whoa, this guy is amazing. We want this guy to rule over us. And so they were like, we want to make him king. Do you know, instead of Jesus lapping it up, which us humans would tend to do, he forced his disciples into the boat, made them to go across as far as away as they could from the crowd because he's not that interested in celebrity. In fact, there's a scripture that says what is very often popular with man to God, he looks at as an ab abomination, as an abhorrence. But instead, he takes a youth like Jeremiah, somebody maybe who lacked even self-confidence, and he says to him, see, I am appointing you over nations and over kingdoms. That's what God's word can do to you, by the way. I want to encourage you to have a real respect and an honor for God's word. One thing I learned out there, and I was very challenged with this when I was out in Africa, is that when we did church visits, though very different to doing church visits here, when I'd been accustomed to doing church visits here, and very often you turn up, you get given a nice cup of tea, you sit down, you have a bit of a pray, and then that's the end of it. You pray, encourage believers. But when we were out there, you had a very clear sense that the one thing you were bringing was God's word. And God's word had the capacity to transform not just the immediate situation that they are in, but generations to come. It has that amazing effect. It's like a seed. You plant it in, and you have no idea what's going to come up afterwards. And so there was this sense that actually as we went around visiting families, Families were anticipating. They would often, the moms would call the whole family round. They would call literally the neighborhood and everybody, hush them into the room and bring them because you are bringing God's word. And very often, Apostle Jeremiah, my senior pastor, would say to me at the very last minute, by the way, Dennis, you're the one speaking. <laughs> and I'd turn around and I'd say to him, how long for? And he'd say, eh, minimum an hour. Like, what? <laughs> I haven't prepared anything. But God's word is in us. And the world desperately needs God's word. He doesn't want you to, to try and conjure up something. It's already in here. You and I just need to familiarize ourselves with what's in here. Put it in us. And that's all the world needs. 
That's all it needs for the circumstances, the situations you're going to face today. Bring God's word. As you bring God's word into that situation, you have no idea the potency that there is. It's the same word that he spoke and everything that you can see around you, the hills, the, the trees, everything came from his word. And so there's a real dunamis, there's a real power, a real enabling that comes from God's word. It's nothing to do with us. We can be the tiniest of youths. Jeremiah was this kind of timid guy, feeling lack of confidence, feeling nobody. And yet his word, God's word, enabled him to bring down whole kingdoms and establish other kingdoms. Whole kingdoms. You're talking in modern day language, superpowers. Imagine if you could speak and suddenly a whole superpower of a nation crumbled before your own eyes. But that's what God's word can do. That is what his word is. When he puts his word in your heart, you have no idea the limit, the limitlessness, I should say, as we heard this morning, um, of God, what he can do. And so, carrying on, Jeremiah was tasked with something very specific. God said to him, I have put my words in your mouth so that they would do something very specific. And he said, I have appointed you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down. The first thing he established, he said to Jeremiah, I'm giving you my word, was to root out or to pluck out. What sorts of things do you root out? Or what sorts of things do you pluck out? Those, sorry? Wait, did you? Weeds, exactly. Things that have been planted. Things that have been put in the ground. And so, what God is effectively saying is that I am giving you authority through my word to pluck out or to root out what's already in the ground. Now, in the Bible, wherever you see the ground talked about, or where you talk, we see something of the land in particular talked about, very often it's talking about inheritance. Because if you think about it, often the thing that you would pass on from family to family as part of that process of inheritance is property and land. Certainly in that culture, that was very much the case. The thing that they passed on was land. And so when you're plucking out, what God is saying is that he's giving us authority through his word to pluck out things that maybe we have inherited that maybe have been in the land that have been established there like weeds and that they're growing and causing all manner of havoc and that God is saying, I am giving you authority to pluck them out. You know with a weed, you don't bash it down because what happens? It grows again, keeps coming back, keeps coming back. You've got to get on your knees, get onto the ground and pluck it out. Some translations say root out. And that's what sometimes we need to do. There are things that, circumstances that many of us are walking through whose origins lie in previous generations. The same can be said of the community in which we live here in Eastbourne. There are things that we're walking through whose origins are to do with what people did in times gone past. And God is saying, I have given you word. I have given you my word that you might 
lock them out. You might be able to pluck them out. So, like, really good prayers, Lord. Is there anything in my life has its origins in the land, has its origins in the things I have inherited, the things that I have no clue about, but, Lord, you know, because you knew me. See, God knew you. He knew the family you'd be born into. He knew the inheritance that would come down you, the spiritual inheritance that would come down to you. He knew all about that before you were born. And so sometimes it's a good thing to say, Lord, give me that scripture. Give me that word that will help me to pluck out the weeds. Help me to remove the stuff that you do not want in my life. And then the second thing that Jeremiah is prompted to, to do, it says to, I have appointed you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck out and then to break down. Some translations say to pull down or to bring down. The sorts of things that you bring down are, surprise, surprise, the things that you have built, the things that you have established. There are some things that you and I have been building, very hardworkingly building, that are contrary to what God's design and purpose for your life is. So, for example, for Jeremiah, maybe he was a bit timid, and maybe some of that was his own doing, his own building, as it were. And so God is saying, I want you to bring them down. How do we bring them down? We need God's word. We need God's word. You and I can't do it of our own effort. We need God's word. And thirdly, the next category of things, um, he said to destroy and to overthrow. The sorts of things that you would overthrow are to do with governing. You know, you overthrow a government, for example. You overthrow something that is in a place of authority, something that's in a seat of authority. God's word can do that for us. That God can lift us up to that place where we are the ones that are governing in his name, under his authority. You know, he said to man, to Adam, let us make man in our own image that they might rule over the beasts of the earth, over the seas, over the fish, over the birds of the air. God made us to rule and to have dominion. But thanks to what Adam and Eve did, we passed that on to Satan, to the powers of darkness. And we do that from time to time. But the amazing thing is that through God's word, we can say, uh, Satan, enough is enough of ruling over my life. I have come to overthrow. I have had enough of being ruled over. You know, some of us are being ruled over like the children of Israel had an oppressor. And you'll know it in your life when there's oppression. And every morning you're waking up and there's this cloud, there's this thing over your life that is an oppression. God's word can transform that situation to a place where you are seated, which is what the Bible says we are, seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers, as Ephesians 1. Jesus came to restore that which Adam lost. 
so that you and I could rightfully reign. Do you know, Jesus said, I will build my church. That's you, Lord. <laughs> and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. Whatever the worst of darkness can throw at your life, if you've got Jesus, it will not prevail. It will not prevail. But you and I need to apply God's word. We've been given God's word. Because as we apply God's word, that situation that you're under can be transformed so that you are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. And then lastly, to build and to plant. Isn't this really good gardening? God's a really good gardener. First, take out the weeds, take out all the junk, dig it all out. I once had a garden, and I just dug the whole thing out and left it fallow for a year or so, made sure nothing would plant. I just kept pulling out the weeds, pulling out the weeds, pulling out the weeds, and then I laid this lawn. Oh, and this lawn was like really super. <laughs> it was amazing. And so that's God's ultimate design, not just for your life, but for this community here in Eastbourne. He wants to root out, he wants to take out things that have been planted that are contrary to his purposes. He wants to weed them out, out of your life, out of your family. He wants to help you to pull down maybe some things that you've been building, the things that you've been actively building and, and unbeknownst to you that become little castles, little towers. And then he wants to help you to overthrow those governing powers, those principalities even in the heavenly realms above us, that are wreaking havoc in our community, that are doing injustice and bringing much oppression. And then it says he wants to then build and he wants to plant. He wants to put something down that is beautiful. I don't know if you've ever had that sense of walking into a beautiful garden and you can see all the effort that has gone in. All the gardeners have been tilling away, doing all sorts, and then you get to enjoy its beauty that's what God wants your life to be, like a garden that is beautiful, that is a blessing to him. So I want to encourage you. You might be thinking in your life, this seems a bit far away, far-fetched, a bit remote. How can I be like Jeremiah, this person that God you have appointed, this person you set aside to fulfill your purposes here on earth. I'm going to invite us to just have a short time of prayer in a way of response. And I'm going to lead us as we bring our lives before God. Heavenly Father, thank you that there is nobody who knows me like you do. My life is not a waste. My life is not an accident. You gave me life and you gave it very much with a purpose in mind. So, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the gift of life. Thank you that we are alive. And in this life, we can know you, our creator. 
Heavenly Father, we want to come and acknowledge that maybe the life that we have lived has not been in accordance to the plan that you had for us. But today, we want to say, we want to put an end to that. And we want to live the life that you designed, the life that you purposed when you gave us life. Show us where we have been timid, where we have hidden away, where we have maybe run away from the life that you purposed, from the person that you made us to be. Father, your word says you know us by name. Show us, Heavenly Father, where we have tried to be somebody else. Forgive us for neglecting who we really are. Forgive us, Heavenly Father, for trying to be somebody else. And help us to understand ourselves. Come and speak to us, even now. Come and speak to us about who you created us to be. Show us your plan for our lives. And as we do that, Lord, we want to say yes and amen to your purposes. Yes and amen to the person that you made. We have no idea where that will take us. We have no idea what that will do. But Heavenly Father, you do. You can take a timid person like Jeremiah and you can appoint him over nations and over kingdoms that through your word you can do marvelous things through him. In the same way, Father, I'm believing that there are warriors here in our midst, that there are prophets here in our midst, that there are pastors here in our midst, evangelists here in our midst. Jesus, you gave gifts to the church, apostles here in our midst. And so I call them forth in the name of Jesus. I call that identity, I call that uniqueness of who you are forth in the name of Jesus so that you would come out from the shadows. You'd come out from that timidity in the name of Jesus. Timidity, we say goodbye to you. We say we will no longer agree with you. We will no longer sit under your shadow and we choose to be the person, the butterfly that God created us to be. Where the boundless limits are possible through your word. Help us to really get into your word that we might know what you're saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I trust and I believe this will be a new lease of life for your own life and for you as a church as well, that God is going to birth a new identity, a unique thing about who you have been created to be and that you have boldness. You'll be able to, I mean, the one, two, three, as you're reaching out um, to people, I trust that God will give you that boldness to be yourselves as you extend that fellowship, that faith into the community. You're going to shine. You're going to be the butterfly. You're going to take off.
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Bless you, brother. Thank you. I, I just uh, being prophetic a little bit at this moment. Uh, God is raising up Africa for the world, Amen. and uh, we've been hearing that from Dan and Susie from Southern Africa, his uh, brother and sister from East Africa, and uh, so watch this space. Amen. God is raising up Africa for the world, Amen. and all that prophecy for Jeremiah is, I think, for your continent as well and for your... Yeah, anyway, um, but that's just something else. So thank you so much, my brother. I said we'd pray for you. So Lord, I just want to bless our brother and sister and the little fellowship that's uh, coming together uh, around them. Lord, that you would anoint and empower and equip them for the unique calling that you have for them. And that without fear, but equipped by you, they will be witnesses to you in our town. Lord, this is a needy town. It, it, it has a superficial air of respectability and peace. And yet, Lord, there is much need in this town. And people greatly need to know Jesus. So, Lord, bless them, we pray, and anoint them. And thank you for our fellowship together in the mission of Christ. Amen. Um, there is lunch today. If you're able to join us for lunch, then do feel free. Soup and fruit and cake and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.